mini-series, and, and I don't know how God was gonna, is going to stretch this series. I always say that. But, uh, but this series is called Catfished. Um, and and, and, uh, and the, you'll, you'll know a lot about uh, that particular word, but the series is called Catfished. And, um, and I'm going to share with you a couple of things from that thought. And I've got 25, 30 minutes, so let's get into it. Amen? Are you ready to receive the word? Oh, wow. Praise God. God is going to speak. All right. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the TV show Catfish, and, um, but I used to watch a couple of the episodes, and there's very similar shows that you might have seen, and, uh, and, and, and it's heartbreaking, isn't it, when you watch how people can heavily invest in something that is not really there. You see how, how broken people get when they realize that the person whom they thought they were in a relationship with was really someone else. I have seen many give their time. I mean, I've seen some very sad episodes, and I say this, and I say this not in a joking way, but in a sad way. I've seen many people give their time, their energy, their resources, their secrets, their money, even private things that they would necessarily, private information that they would never share with anyone else. I've seen people do that to a relationship which they thought was really true. And it's heartbreaking to watch on TV, let alone being a victim. I, I watch it from the screen and I'm heartbroken for them and I can only imagine what they're going through. And we make fun of it and we joke, but imagine if we put our shoes in that particular place where we think we're speaking to a, a certain person, where we actually fall in love with that person. I had my own version of catfish when I was a teenager myself uh, because I never met this person, but I was just talking on the phone with this person. And uh, anyways, the rest of the story is, is not to be shared today. Uh, but, but people are genuinely disappointed and hurt. They're angered, they're confused, and often wonder how they can fall for such a deception. Every time their reaction is similar. How did I ever buy this? How did I become a victim of this? And, 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 and all of us here were like, yo, yo, I'm too smart for that. But, but we're really, they all were probably in that position, but there was a moment of vulnerability in their life. And when they were vulnerable, there was people that took opportunity of that. So one of the things then that deeply concerns me is seeing the amount of people who think they are in a relationship with God when they are really not. My, my generation is really something that I see and I really am heartbroken because there are many who genuinely believe that I know Jesus because I went to this conference or I was in this gathering and I put my hand up when the preacher said so and I followed what he prayed, but there was no really real belief in my heart. There was no real conviction of what the gospel means and yet I believe I'm in a relationship with God. There's no change, there's no transformation and, and it's heartbreaking for me to watch that and especially as time nears and, and the signs are becoming more and more vivid of what Jesus said will happen before he returns, I, I can't help but wonder how many are in this catfish position where we think we're actually in a relationship with God when we are really not. 
I thought of how true this is with people who think they're in a relationship with the true living God when there is the master deceiver behind it all, deceiving to steal, kill, and destroy. One of the things that I've learned when I watch this show is that the people that are doing the deceiving behind the scene, they're a master at the craft. They know how to deceive. They know how to convince someone. And in the same way, there is an enemy who is a master at deception. And the Bible goes like this in Luke 21 verse number 8. I want you to know that I'm not just making this up. It's not your opinion. Let's go to scripture and see what Jesus said himself. Now, the context of this particular verse, and I will just be reading this verse, is Jesus is asked by his disciples, when are going to be the end of the age? Not the end of a season, but the end of the age when Jesus comes back in his glory. They asked him this because he said uh, certain remarks that they did not understand. And Jesus gave them actually warnings and things that will happen prior to his return on earth. I want you to know, young adults and youth, that when Jesus came into this world, he didn't come at random time. He didn't come at, uh, just out of nowhere. It was a fulfillment of prophecy that was spoken beforehand. And, and, and Jesus is setting the scene forward to a time, to the generation of how it would look like before his very return. And this is what he said, reading in the Amplified. Be careful. This is Jesus speaking. Be careful and see to it that you are not misled. For many, not few, for many will come in my name. And in brackets, the explanation is appropriating for themselves the name Messiah, which belongs to me alone, saying that I am he, that the time is near. Do not follow them. So one of the signs that Jesus spoke of that we will see rampant or even becoming more and more before his return is the mass amount of deception that is going to be on the earth. Many people that are claiming to be Christ or even offer what Christ can give or that he is the true way to the Father, there will be many, many ways like that. When Jesus wrote this, there wasn't many religions. There was pagan, paganism and there was, there was the Jewish sect and a few. But now we have hundreds of millions, if not billions of religions that are circulating in our world today. Jesus, when speaking about the signs, said these particular things. That there will be a time before his return that there will be many who will be catfished, in other words. They will pretend to be Jesus and they will deceive many. I read this documentary of a person in Russia. He's got about 5,000, I believe. I don't know now, but I watched the documentary. He's got about 5,000, uh, even if more than that, thousands of people that sold their, all their livelihood and they followed him deep into the, into the woods in Russia because he said, I am Jesus. He said, I am the returned Jesus and they actually believe him and they worship him. A recent movement in South Korea I forgot the actual name of the movement. They have hundreds, hundreds of thousands of members worldwide, and their teaching is very deceptive. But the leader of that organization claims to be Jesus, who has returned onto the earth to establish the new heaven and the new earth, and how he has, he has defeated the, the dragon in Revelation. 
And there are millions of people and hundreds of thousands of people worldwide that are following this man. And we're seeing this witness in our very eyes. But beyond that, how many religions, millions who think they are in a right, healthy relationship with the creator, but are just catfished. They genuinely believe that they are in the right relationship with a God that they have created or the leader of that movement has projected and they've accepted the bait and they're thinking they're in a deep relationship with him, but they do not know that they are deceived and catfished. How many who desperately think they are in a relationship with Jesus because they do ministry? And we see this in the very words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, because in the last day, you will come to me and you will say, Lord, didn't we, didn't we prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? And Jesus plainly and bluntly said, away from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. That's scary, young people. That's very scary. Because what that passage entails, and even in, in Corinthians, Paul explains that we can do ministry without love, which is really not ministry. And, and what Jesus is saying, it is possible to serve in whatever aspect that you serve. You can even be a leader of a ministry like myself and not have a relationship with Jesus. It's a catfish walk. We're thinking that we are in a genuine relationship, but we're deceived into believing something that is not really there. One thing that I saw common among catfishers was their enjoyment of what they were doing, their craftiness, skilled at what they do, and going to great length to deceive. That really bothered me. Like when the moment of confrontation came and they were face-to-face with the people they deceived, what really, really bothered me is the reaction of the deceiver. They are laughing. They are mocking at it. They had a sense of enjoyment at what they did. They ruined the person's life. They destroyed. They stole uh, money from them. They did all sorts of things. But what bothered me is how wicked the human heart can be. And they would look at them in the eye and they would really not care at all at what they did. And that is one of the marks of what Paul said will happen in the latter times, where the love of many will grow cold. We are living in that generation where you are seeing for the sake of Instagram, for the sake of Snapchat, for the sake of a laugh, people will do horrible things to other human beings, not caring at all at the consequences of their actions. I want us to remember that Satan is the master deceiver and very skilled at what he does. Jesus said that his native language is lying. He doesn't have a nine-to-five job and then goes, go and does catfishing in his spare time like how most of these people are doing. No, Satan's full-time job is to deceive and to make sure that people do not get into a right and healthy relationship with God. Remember, we're focusing on health, and I'm going to be laying in this year many foundational truths. If you listen, will help you to be a stepping stone and a, and a cornerstone and a foundation for everything else that you encounter in life and in ministry. Because if our foundation is strong, when the storms come, when the winds blow, we're not going, our house is not going to crumble down. 
So in 2 Corinthians, to show and back it up with scripture, verse chapter 4, verse number 4, this is what the Bible says. The God of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Do you see that, young people? Do you see that, young adults? The God of this world referring to Satan his main task is that people are blinded to not see, not the preacher, not what, what the benefits of, of, of doing community is. No, no, he's fighting so that people are deceived from seeing Christ. Because when we see Christ, we see God clearly, and Christ is the only means to having a relationship with God. Relationship with God doesn't begin... Uh, with, with any, anywhere else, it begins with understanding that it is only through Christ and Christ alone that I can be in a right and healthy relationship with God. It begins with Jesus. That is why when I'm, when I'm sharing with many people of different faith and background, I pose that question before them. I go to Acts chapter 4 when the apostle said, There is no other name that is given under heaven to which man can be saved but the name of Jesus. We have to see that scripture and either believe it or reject it. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. There is no, no other way to the Father except through me. So it's very narrow, the path to eternal life. It's very narrow, the path to a healthy relationship with God. And it's only through Christ and what he has done and achieved for us. Satan works hard to catfish so many. He works hard. He works hard. He doesn't mind if you're in a phony relationship with a God that is not really a God. He doesn't mind that. But the moment you try to know the true living God and be in a healthy relationship with God, all hell breaks loose to try to make you not make that decision. Jesus is the only way and means we can have a healthy relationship with God. Let's quickly go to Romans chapter 5 verse number 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, justified means it's a, it's a court term. It's when you go to court and the judge, he, 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 makes, he, he pronounces you to be innocent of a crime that you have been convicted of. It's, you've been justified and it's as if you haven't committed that sin or you've been acquitted of the crime that you've done. And, and the only way that you and I can be in a right relationship with God is not by any means, but it is by faith. It's not what we do to earn God's right relationship with us. It's not us pursuing God. It's God pursuing us. And it's not because we did certain things and we pleased him. No, no, no. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the only way we can receive this gift of salvation that only comes through Christ is through faith. Faith means simply it's not nothing of ourselves. It is something that we believe. Listen to what the writer says. Listen to what Paul says. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. That means there was, there was conflict between man and God because sin broke the barrier between man and God and the wrath of God was upon man. 
And the only way to bridge that, that divide, that great divide, is through Jesus Christ. The only way that we can be at peace with God is not because we prayed five times a day or we gave all the money that we have to the poor. The only way we can have peace with God is through Jesus by faith. So I want to ask this question before I finish off for today's message. How do we measure health? Because the next few weeks, I want us to measure our health. I want us to remember, this is what we've been talking about, healthy relationship with God, healthy relationship with one another, and healthy way of seeing ourselves. How do we see ourselves? Do we see the way God sees us? Do we have a higher view of ourselves than we should? So we're going to explore those points. But today I want to begin, and next week continue, with seeing how our relationship with God is. Next week I'll give you about five to six checks that you can do, health checks. You know when you go to the doctor, they do health checks for certain things. We're going to do health checks according to the scripture and to the truth to see if we are in a healthy relationship with God. But today I want to base the question, how do we measure health? When it comes to our relationship with God, is there a way of us knowing whether we are in a right and healthy relationship with Him? There are. But let us begin here for today. Luke chapter 5, verse 31 to 32. Luke chapter 5, verse 31 to 32. I'll be reading in the NIV. Jesus answered them. Let me set the context quickly here. Jesus is at the house of Levi. Levi is also known as Matthew. He's a tax collector. One of the apostles Jesus selected from the street, he was there. He's like, you, yeah, you're going to be my follower. He selected him not because he was good. He selected him purely by the grace of Jesus. He was tax collector, a sinner. He was a deceiver himself, manipulating the people to get more than what he should. That's why tax collectors were hated by that society. And Jesus called him out. And Matthew is in awe. He's, he's like, whoa, you chose me. So what he does, he's like, I'm going to get you to come to my house. And I'm going to invite a bunch of my tax collector friends. And we're going to have a word from you. That's a good way to evangelize right there. You're touched by Jesus. You get your friends. And you say, look what Jesus has done for me. Anyways, they're at the house of of, uh, Levi or Matthew and the Pharisees, those religious people. I'm going to come to them in a moment. They are looking at them and they are saying, look at this man named Jesus. He calls himself a rabbi. He calls himself a teacher. And yet he hangs around with people like that, with scum. Doesn't Doesn't he know that they are... They are sinners, that they are filthy people. How can such a rabbi who doesn't belong with such a group sit with such a people as that? <laughs> you know what I love about Jesus? He, he, he always, I mean, he's very cool in every circumstance. He doesn't freak out. You know, you know me, the more I have grown in knowledge of the word, I tend to freak out less. But Jesus always calm in every situation. Like, for example, you go to this house and a woman, a young girl is dead and they're having Lexo, you know, Lexo, all the, my daughter, you know, Ethiopians, we just take it to the extreme and everything. But anyways, he's there and, and they're all crying. The Bible says they're mourning and Jesus steps in and he says, hey, yo, the girl's not dead. She's just asleep. And the Bible says they laughed at him. And Jesus had to get the unbelief and doubt out of the room. And he said, get up. And she got up. But in any situation, I mean, the apostles, the disciples, Jesus, don't you care? We're going to die. And Jesus comes up. He's like, we're not going to die. Relax. 
like be still to the waters and the waters be still. I mean, he's cool in every circumstance and he always deals with the heart of the issue. Remember last week's message? To begin with health, we have to begin with truth. If you want to be healthy in every aspect of your life, be real, be honest, because it is only the truth that brings freedom in our life. So Jesus' answer to the Pharisees is this. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous. What Jesus is really saying there is I have not come to call those who think they're righteous, referring to them, but sinners to repentance. He hits the issue right in the middle. He's saying, your problem is that you think you are cool when you're really not. But I came for people like this that know they are sick and that really need a doctor. I came not for those who think they are healthy, but for those who know they are sick. That's the essence of what Jesus is saying here. So beginning a healthy relationship with God begins with seeing how sick we are. Church, you have to pay attention in these next five minutes and I'm done. To begin a healthy relationship with God, we have to see how sick we are. And the Bible says this. Firstly, before I go there, I want to just share some thoughts on, on something that's been happening recently in our world that's really rattling our world, not just certain nations, but our world. And a lot of you know what I'm talking about. It's the coronavirus. It has rapidly spread all over the earth. And every time I turn on the news, it's gone, it's, it, the increment of growth of this disease is by the thousands. People globally are terrified of this sickness and they're taking drastic measures to protect themselves. In, in China, for example, they ran out of the mask, so they were getting water bottles that were the big jerry can water bottles. They were, cut, they were cutting a hole in them and they were putting it on top of them. I mean, people going to extreme length to protect themselves. One guy, he was driving an Uber that I saw this video. He's head to toe. He's covered in doctor's gear and goggles and everything. And he's the Uber driver. I mean, people want to be safe from this particular virus. The death toll as of Saturday yesterday is 724 globally. 723 being in China alone and one in another region, I believe Indonesia. And there is no vaccine for it yet. Lots of places are doing screening and health checks. But church, there is a sickness that's much worse and yet seem, and we seem to not care about even if we're infected by it. This sickness has infected all of mankind. The first to get it were Adam and Eve and the first human beings. And then it spread by birth to all human beings after them. It, it is the sickness of sin that I'm talking to you today about. Jesus came to cure that sickness. He himself was the vaccine. I really want us to think about this for a moment. Think about what I'm saying. The coronavirus can kill the human body. The sin virus will take your soul to hell for eternity also. Does this do anything inside of us? What if a doctor told you that you've been diagnosed with a coronavirus or a cancer or a sickness that leads to death would that do anything in your life? 
I'm 100% sure if you go to the doctors tomorrow and they say you've got terminal illness and you're, you have this amount of time to live, I'm pretty sure you're not going to be casual and say, yeah, oh, anyways, I, I've, got, I've got work tomorrow. So you're not going to go back to your work. You're not going to go back to your livelihood. You're not going to go back to your games and you're not going to go back to the way you used to live. No, you're going to maximize the time that you have. You're going to make peace with those that you're not in peace with and, and you're going to know that your life is about to go. We're not going to be ignorant and say, I don't care, and go on with our life. Surely not. Well, Dr. Jesus is telling us we are sick with the sickness of sin. Does that do anything to us, church? This is not a sickness that you will have, like coronavirus. People are are just going crazy. I might have it. No, no, no. Dr. Jesus is saying, I have come. Not for those who think that they don't need a doctor. I, don't, I haven't come for them. They think they're healthy. No, I've come for those who are sick. Dr. Jesus is saying we are sick. We are sick with the disease of sin. And we all have this virus. You can't escape it by moving countries. You can't escape it by wearing protective clothing. You inherit it by birth. And Jesus begins there. I came for those who know they are sick and they need a doctor. To have a relationship with God, we must first see our need for a savior and our condition of our sickness. We must understand what sin is. John 9, 39 to 41. John 9, 39 to 41. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see and those who will see will become blind. Some Pharisees who are there, sorry, who were with him, heard this and they asked, what, are we blind? <laughs> the, agnor- the ignorance, their pride just fascinates me. Are we blind too? Is that what you're trying to say? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. What a sobering statement that Jesus, he continues to confront the real issue with the Pharisees, but they never cease to, they never put, it, put down their pride and, 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 their, and their arrogance and come to Jesus and repent. Jesus is showing the Pharisees how blinded they are. This blindness that Jesus is speaking of is the blindness of unbelief or of seeing the Messiah, seeing that they're sinners. In fact, they defended, there's nothing wrong with us. We are children of Abraham. We are children of the covenant. How dare you say that we have sin? And Jesus in Matthew 23 went to great length to to really explain how they have a facade, that they're in a right relationship with God, but really they don't have a relationship with God. And you can read that for yourself. The problem with the Pharisees was that they thought they were in a right and healthy relationship with God. But Jesus, knowing their true condition, said that they were really blind. How can we know if we're infected by sin? Galatians 5 is the last one that I'll be reading, and I'll finish up, and I can get the music team, the worship team to come up. We're going to have a moment of worship and finish up. Galatians 5, 19 to 21. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, 
impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't miss next week because I'm going to give you five tests or six that you can apply to your own life to check whether you are in a healthy and a right relationship with God. But Paul says this, it is obvious that we've been infected by sin. In essence, I can take you to many passages where he gives a list. What are the the evidences, in other words, that we've been infected by this disease? It's obvious. Church, let me testify you might, you might say, oh, I'm not convinced yet. Let me testify by my own children. I've got Zoe, a five-year-old, and I've got Mercy, a two-year-old, and I have not taught them. I promise you, I did not sit them in my office and say to them, this is how you be rude, or this is how you become selfish, or this is how you become angry. I didn't teach them that. They were naturally positioned to be inclined to be sinning. That comes naturally to them. They're naturally, my little daughter, Mercy, I'm telling you, she is the most selfish person you can see right now. And I say that in the most loving way that I can. I mean, everything, mine, daddy. I mean, my my daughter Zoe would, would be holding something and she's got something else. She'll throw that on the floor. She would run. She'll grab what Zoe's having. She'll say, mine. I mean, the chair this morning, they were fighting over a chair, same color, same size, same everything, but she wanted the one Zoe had. And I'm like, that's the evidence that she's infected by this disease. I'm telling you. And we have all been affected by it. David said, in my mother's womb, In my mother's womb, I was a sinner from birth. It's natural to be infected by this sin. And the working of this in our life is obvious. We naturally are gravitated towards this thing. Next week, I'm going to share with you the good news of how to know, how to know to be in a right relationship with God and how God deals with us in this very point. And I'm going to even explore the subject. Does that mean you're, you're, once I'm in a right relationship with God, that sin, no longer, I no longer struggle with that? I'll answer that question next week as well. But the effects of the sickness of sin is very clear. But the Pharisees could not see it and said that they were not sick by this disease. They claimed to be healthy when they were really not. And my prayer, church, today is that we all see our sickness as we do a health check. That we would see our need for Jesus. That we would see our need. Are we in a catfish relationship with God? Do we have a a form of God that's not really the God of the Bible? That we've been constantly living and, and saying, you know what, I think God is like that. Have we minimized God to our own definitions and our own, and our own thinking? Or are we worshiping the God of the Bible? Are we, are we in a covenant, faith, uh, faithful, right relationship with Jesus? You know, as you bow your heads and close your eyes, I want you to think of this. I want you to think of this reality and this truth in your heart. The Pharisees were told over and over and over again. They were told by Jesus of their sinful condition. 
how they were infected by this disease of sin. And yet, they could not accept it. And yet, they chose to reject. Friends, Jesus came not for those who think they are okay. But Jesus came for those who know that they are sick. I am sick with this disease. And I need freedom. I need freedom. My prayer is that as the coronavirus is bringing fear to you, that the reality of sin will wake you up. To know that without the mercy of God, without the atoning work of Jesus Christ, that we are all ended. We're all going to end up in a place called hell. It's too late then, young people. The Bible says that the day of salvation is today, not tomorrow. Friend, I have no idea if I will see you next week. That's in God's hand. But I know that every moment God is giving you an opportunity to turn from your sin and come to Him. And Jesus said, if you would come. You know, this, this antidote, this this medicine, this cure, you can never buy it. You can never afford it. So the kingdom of heaven had to sub subsidize it. When you have a certain illness, there's some medication that the government subsidizes because the people cannot afford it. So the government pays for it. And, and the kingdom of God has paid for this cure. He paid it in the form of the death of his one and only son, the death of Jesus. And when Jesus died upon that cross, he was sacrificed for your sins and my sins and our sins was placed upon him. And the only thing that Jesus calls us to is by faith to come to him and to repent of our sin, to turn from our sin and to put our trust and hope in him. And I want you to be bothered by this question this week and for the rest of your life. Be bothered by the reality of sin. Don't take it lightly. More serious than the most serious health condition that we can have in our body is the problem of sin. But church, doctors are now looking for the cure of the coronavirus and for cancer. Their billions and billions of dollars are spent year after year trying to find a solution. But man only needs to know that the real solution that they need is the solution that was found 2,000 years ago upon that cross. Jesus died to cure the problem of sin. And the, and, the, and the medicine is available. The cure is available, yet we do not receive it by faith. And my prayer is that you don't leave this room in the same condition with a sickness infected by sin. But that you would say, I received the cure today. I received Jesus today. I might not understand everything and I want to learn from it, but I've seen the obvious implication of this virus in my life and I don't want to live with it any longer. I want to be cured by this. If that's you, I want you to come boldly to the front and we're going to pray a prayer of salvation. 
doesn't mean that the prayer is it. It means that you are making a decision to say, I receive you, Jesus. I receive you into my heart. I receive you into my life. You might have been in church all your life. You might have grown up in the church, but you're catfish into thinking that you're in a healthy relationship with God. But today you're saying, yo, yo, I realize and I recognize that I need Jesus to truly change me, to touch me. Because when the cure comes, you will never be the same. You will never be the same. If that's you, whether you're young or old, I want you to quickly come to the front. And everyone else can stand and the worship team will lead us in worship as we sing one song to finish off the time. And we're also going to pray for Samha at the end. She's going to Ethiopia next week. We're going to pray for the Lord to put His hand of protection upon her. But, but I encourage you right now to just in this moment of worship to really bring your heart to God and really ask yourself, God, Am I in a healthy relationship with you? And if you need prayer for anything else, come to the front and we'll pray in agreement. Hallelujah. Jesus, touch us. Heal us today, we pray. Speak to us today, we pray. Help us to not walk out in the same condition. We want to know you. Not think that we know you, but we want to know you, Lord. Draw the hearts of your children today. You're the only one that can draw the human heart. Draw them to yourself today. I pray that you make, that you help that person that is on the verge of making a decision, Lord. That you nudge their heart to make up their mind. Father, as we worship you, continue to speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name.